Well, good morning. It's our little table we're going to have to share. Barry, scoot over a little bit. Um, so, we felt it was necessary. We were talking in the office this week to um, have a conversation um, with the body this morning. We don't plan on getting too preachy. We may, but um, we want to have a conversation with you all about what's uh, going on in our nation and also in the church. You know, we've been talking about covenant community, and one of the things we Barry mentioned last week was, you know, sometimes you have to address the elephant in the room. And so this morning, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about um, the prophets and prophetic ministry. We're going to talk about what happened Wednesday with uh, um, Joe Biden being set in as president. We're going to talk about Trump. We're going to talk about all these things that are going on in our nation just so that it can be helpful to everyone. We really want uh, the body to come together during this time. Once again, this is not a time where everyone just goes their own way in their own direction. Or you just find people that agree with you, and you just go in that corner, and you find those who disagree, and you just kind of point at them. Uh, we're not, we don't want that, okay? We understand there's going to be different opinions and thoughts, but this morning as I was praying, we're not here for opinions and thoughts, okay? We talked this week. We up here, we're not, we're going to do our best to stay away from sharing our own opinions and thoughts, okay? We, all of us were bent one way or another. That's totally fine. But this morning, did you come to hear from God's word? Okay, if you brought your Bible, can you just hold it up for me? I want to see if it's on your phone. Okay, good. Okay, we want to hear from God's word this morning. We want his wisdom. We don't want ours, okay? If you want to hear our personal opinions and thoughts or whatever, we'll go to lunch with you. That's totally fine. We'll share that. Uh, but we don't think that's going to be most helpful. What's going to be most helpful is to hear from the Lord. And we're held accountable to speak to his people according to his word. So we want to do that this morning. So can we put our guns away? Anyone, anyone ready to shoot and fire? Okay, don't do that. Leave your ammo at home. Leave your guns at home. All right, don't, don't draw your sword this morning, okay? We may say some things that you don't agree with all the way. That's okay. I will say this. I encourage you, if you don't see... What we're saying in your Bible, you, you do not have to agree with us. Okay, we want you to agree with the Bible. And if what we're saying, you can't see it with your own eyes in here, do not believe us. Okay, I just release you to obey what's in here and to follow what's in here. Is that okay? You guys comfortable with that? Good. So far. All right, well, I may bring that up a little bit later, but so <clears throat> we're going to go through some, some questions here. We asked our core team to submit to us some questions that, uh, that they felt that either they had or they felt would be uh, helpful for us to ask uh, or for us to answer in front of the body. And so they sent us some stuff, but also there's some things that we want to address. So we're just going to make our way through that this morning and pass the mic around and whatnot. But the first thing we want to talk about in the midst of all of these things, is what does God want to correct in you and in me? Okay, it's really easy right now just to talk about that group over there or those people over there, but we need to always go back to, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you need cor to correct in me? Okay, and I think we could agree that there are 
some of us who feel agitated, who feel angry, who feel upset, who feel confused, all of those things. And the, the question here that I'm going to answer right now, what should I do if I feel agitated, angry, and or afraid? What should I do if I feel angry, agitated, and or afraid? I want to point out this. During this time right now, what we are realizing probably more than anything is that we are not in control. And I just want to maybe highlight to you, you may be angry, upset, afraid, and hopeless because you're realizing you are not in control. That's one of the manifestations of those who have control issues is that they get angry. They get upset when they don't have their way. So for you, are you angry because you're realizing, man, I'm not in control? I want justice. I want righteousness. I want what God wants. You want it so bad that you just want to get in there and make it happen. But guess what? There's literally nothing you can do about it right now. So you have to be okay with not being in control. So are you okay with not being in control? If you are, raise your hand. So here's the thing, though. Just because we're not in control right now doesn't mean we're just sitting ducks. And that we just sit here and, well, we'll see what happens. We'll just kind of hang out here. I'm not in control. I better just sit here and I'll just watch and, and uh, we'll hope for the best. No. Here, here's what I really feel like we need to do during this time and what I shared as we got transitioned out of worship. Now is the time to ask for wisdom. Now is the time to ask for wisdom which is from above. You guys know the verse, James 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask for it. God gives liberally, he gives without reproach. Here's some of the benefits of wisdom during this time. If you find yourself angry, frustrated, confused, upset, this is in Proverbs. But whoever listens to me, this is wisdom speaking, will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Her ways are pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Keep sound wisdom. She will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Last night I was praying before I went to bed and I was asking for wisdom. I was confessing to God my lack of wisdom and asking for it. And I'll tell you, I had the sweetest sleep last night. Even Allison said, man, I slept really good last night. It says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. So this morning, can we exchange our control issues for God's wisdom? Can we just say, Lord, I release control. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's happening. God's doing a hundred different things right now. Okay, no one has the, the trump card on what he, that one thing he's doing. It's only this right here. No, he's doing all kinds of things right now. And we need his wisdom on what we can do with him. So therefore, we have to release control. So if you find yourself this morning agitated, afraid, confused, hopeless, etc., I want to encourage you to release control 
and ask God for wisdom. Okay? This is what Charles Spurgeon says about wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many, many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. So we need wisdom. Okay, so the second thing I'm going to pass off to Dave here. He's going to address this question. So what is at the root of my disappointment? So in thinking and praying about this, um, I think that one of the things, and this has to do with every aspect of life, is when things don't go the way we want them to go or our expectations aren't met or someone lets us down, turns their back on us. I think those are situations where disappointment can creep into our life. Um, but I think that our perspective actually needs to be focused on what God has planned for each one of us, and in this case, in this community for 2021. You know that regardless of what obstacles we face, we're required by God to fulfill his plan for this year. It's not, well, if you have 15 obstacles, you don't have to do 17, 18, and 19. It's not that way. And I was thinking about this um, and thinking back over my life Growing up overseas, I, before the age of 18, I went through six different military coups of government in the nation that I lived. And I can remember as a teenager, the country that I lived in was just utter poverty. Their money was useless, so everything that they produced in the nation, they sold it to other countries to get foreign currency. And so it left us as people in the country with absolutely nothing. Nothing in the stores. Nothing. And so we would have to drive 270 miles to another country to buy fuel, rice, matches, soap, everything. And I can remember, this isn't online, but I, had, I got my license when I was 13. And I can remember, I can remember as a teenager driving those 270 miles by myself sometimes. Not on a highway. And crossing the border, I can remember conversations with God as a teenager. God, why am I doing this? Why do I have to do this? Why are there so many obstacles? Why is it so difficult? But he has a plan. And we must carry that plan through. I think of my sister and, and her husband a few years back. You remember when the Syrian refugees were flooding into Europe? Remember that? They were in Greece, and all of these Muslims were fleeing Syria. 
And they were able to minister to the Muslims as they came on the boats. And many of them got saved through utter tragedy. They were able to share the gospel. And so God has a plan for each one of you, a detailed plan. A detailed plan. And there's going to be obstacles, but we're required to fulfill his plan, regardless of the obstacles. We are to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And there's going to be opportunities for you to advance the kingdom of God that you didn't do last year. But this year, he's going to open a door for you to do that. And I hope. I hope and pray that each of us do our part because we know God will do his. And too many times people sit back with disappointment. Well, God didn't do this and that and whatever. And they fold their arms. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's big enough to do his part. You do your part by the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Next question for Barry. I'm curious to how long he will stay seated. But, um, okay, we're still addressing what is God doing in you? What, what does he want to correct in you? So the question is, has my mind been set on things above and not on the things of the earth? Yeah, so every difficulty, time of confusion, time of agitation and upsetment should be a call to us to remind ourselves where our citizenship is. Our citizenship is not on earth, it's not in America, it's in heaven. And that citizenship won't be revoked and we're not gonna get kicked out because the blood of the lamb is on that deed that has our name on it for our citizenship. And so our future is secure no matter what happens on this earth, right? And this is a good checkup. The Bible says, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not the external aspects of things, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if, if what defines my inner life right now in this moment is not righteousness, peace, and joy, then I'm out of alignment with God. I'm out of alignment with his kingdom, and I'm out of alignment with his heart and with his purposes. That's a, that's a good checkup. That's a red light saying I'm out of alignment. If I'm all living in agitation and fear and consternation, disappointment, depression, that tells me, okay, my heart's not aligned with God's heart and with his kingdom. Because where he is ruling, there is righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy in the Holy Spirit. That needs to be the air that we breathe. No matter what happens around us, circumstances are just an opportunity, right? Paul said that um, he didn't even count the, the sufferings of this present life to be worthy to be on the same scale with the eternal weight of glory that is going to be revealed in us. And so God uses difficulties for us to produce character in us, right? You, you know all the verses. It's, it's more precious than gold, refined gold. Because the testing of our faith produces character and it produces endurance and it produces Christ-likeness and all of those things that we want and that we pray to the Lord for. So we need to get our eyes on, from God's vantage point and see 
from God's vantage point. If we're, if we're disappointed, if we're disillusioned, if we're upset, if we're agitated, if we're ready to fight in, in a fleshly sense, then we're out of alignment with God's heart and his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit should be what characterizes our hearts all the days of our life. In Jesus. Amen. Come on. Barry sat down that whole time. Y'all Come should on, have been miracles out your still happen. Y'all should have been out your seats jumping and hollering like Barry. Come on. Okay, so now, um, okay, so we just talked about what God is doing in you, okay? Releasing control, asking for wisdom. Okay, you're going to trust God's process, even though you may have disappointment or whatever, but you're going to trust his process, and we're going to set our mind on things above. We're going to make sure we're living in uh, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen? We good? We good? Okay, so we wanted to um, answer some questions, some more questions here. Um, I'm just going to put these out there, and we're just going to answer them. We haven't talked about who's going to answer what questions right here. We're just going to kind of go for it. But these questions, we are assuming that these are just floating out there in your mind, okay? We're assuming that you just have a question about, okay, what just happened Wednesday? Joe Biden gets said in as president. Okay, what are the thoughts? The prophets prophesied something. What's going on? So here are some questions that we're just going to, I'm going to put out there. And uh, I guess whoever grabs the mic first or I jump in will answer. So, what did you say? Oh, it's it's. Kevin did something to it. Okay. As believers, what should our submission look like when government officials do not fear God? How are we to honor and obey them? Do we pray for them or against them? Okay. As believers, what should our submission, there's three questions in this one, this first one here. As believers, what should our submission look like when government officials do not fear God? How are we to honor and obey them? Do we pray for them or against them? I saw your hand raised, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, I want to read you the word of the Lord. This is not under question. This is the word of the living God to us at this moment. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. I'm going to read it, and I want you to listen to it very carefully because this is your Lord speaking to you. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God. What is the will of God in this moment? I'm about to tell you. Such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. If you, with your mouth, run down, mock, demean President Biden... You're sinning against the Lord's word. Did you hear what I said? You're sinning against what Jesus told you to do. That's out of line and off base. We're to honor the office of the president. 
we're not to mock, ridicule. We can differ, and there's a place for that. But we're to honor. We're to honor him. And we're to pray. Some of you have heard me say that I have to do things a little crazy so that I remember to do stuff. So in the mornings in the shower, I pray for Israel. And in the evenings when I shower, I pray for our government. I did it all through the Obama administration, all through the Trump administration, and plan to do it all through the Biden administration. We need God to help our government, regardless of party, regardless of what they believe, what they stand for. We need his help. If we don't pray, who will? Not to mention it's a command. It's our command to do it. You need to pray for those that have the rule over you. So just want to remind you, when Peter wrote this and when Paul wrote 1 Timothy 2, where he commanded us to pray for all those who are in authority for kings, the ruler of the Roman Empire that was over them was a man named Nero. He murdered his own mother because he didn't want her to receive the throne. He murdered his stepbrother. He was a raving demoniac. Really, Paul? Honor Nero. Put that in their place because that's who was the emperor. Honor Nero. Okay, so just listen. This is important to the Lord. He set up authority structures in the earth for us. You know, we, we can't obey them when they tell us to do something that is a disobedience to the Lord. We, we get that, right? That's where the line is. It's not, the line is not where it's inconvenient for us. The line is not where it shapes our opinion. The line is where it causes us to disobey what the Lord told us. Then, like the apostle said, whether we are going to obey you and not preach the gospel or obey God, you decide what you think is better. But as for us, we're going to obey God. So if, it, if the command is you can't obey Jesus, you can't um, preach the gospel, you can't do all the things that we're commanded to do in here, that's where the line gets drawn. It's not drawn at our political preference. It's not drawn at our convenience line. Okay? This is a real word for the body of Christ. It really is. And so we just need to take this to heart and recognize you go, oh, well, I can't because, look, no ruler, no president that we've ever had in this nation even comes close to Nero. Not even close. So it's really okay. I think the word of the Lord is it's okay. And so we are committed if the government officials come in here and say we can't preach the gospel, we're going to preach the gospel. Okay, they're not going to come in and start telling us what to do. We're sticking to the word of God. Dave, Barry, and I are committing to do that. We're committing to serve this body by God's word. So one th in that question also it said, do we pray for them or pray against them? Okay, in Luke 9, Jesus is with the disciples going throughout cities. And in one of the cities, they actually did not receive Christ. It says in Luke 9, it says, um, he sent messages before his face. As they went, they entered the village of Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him. They did not receive Jesus. And what did the disciples do next? 
They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? Jesus, they're, they're anti-Christ. They don't like you. They don't want you. They just rejected you. Let's, let's make this thing a little more exciting. Let's just call on fire. Let's blow them up and show people they cannot reject you. Right? And what's Jesus say? He turned and rebuked them. This wasn't like he comforted them. Oh, guys, you're just, you know, silly you. No, no. He turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I need to read that again. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. So what manner of spirit are you? Do you think Jesus came to destroy people's lives? If you think he did that, then you're not going to pray for them. You're not going to love them. You're not going to care for them. You're going to call on fire from heaven. But that's not the kind of spirit we are of. Okay, question number two. How should we react to people who say Biden is not my president? Or even when we feel the same way. Has anyone else had those thoughts? I told you, we're going to answer questions that are probably just floating out there somewhere. How should we react to people who say Biden is not my president or even when we feel the same way? Take their hand right then and say, let's pray for President Biden right now. (laughs) That's what you do. Let's pray for him right now. Father, we pray for wisdom to come into Joe Biden and into his staff. We pray for your spirit to influence them and to draw them to yourself. We pray for heavenly wisdom to come down and to be in the cabinet and those that are in authority over our nation so that there will be an atmosphere here where the gospel can be preached and people can hear the good news and come to Christ and be saved. Just take their hand and cut it off right there and say, let's pray right now. So I'm just going to be, be honest with you. What I see on Facebook when people make those kind of comments, honestly, that's pride. That's pride speaking. Okay, what happened Wednesday? Joe Biden was set in as president. It was a real inauguration. It really happened, okay? This wasn't like some mystical thing. It really happened. And so, you know, just sometimes, and I, I've done this too, so I'm not trying to be, you know, nitpicky here. But you remember, you know, growing up in recess, you're out playing the game, and it feels like the other team cheated you. And so after you lose, what do you do? I'm done. You take your ball and you go home. You don't even shake hands. Don't even say good game. You go home. Do, do we do that too? Are we sorry losers? Just taking my Bible, I'm going home. Guys, don't do that. Let's, let's not be sorry losers, okay? Is that okay? I'm, I'm, I'm in the sports world. I've seen it all the time. The, it's, it's so 
there's such disrespect whenever I see that in the sports world where the other team, they just lost, and they just walk off the court. They don't even shake hands. Good game. I mean, at least respect the person you played against. You may not like them. You may not agree with them. You may not be on the same page. You may have everything against them, but at the end of the day, you're called to respect and to honor. Okay, number three. Should the body of Christ be concerned about erosion of their religious freedoms over the next four years? Anyone been thinking about that? Should the, should the body of Christ be concerned about erosion of their religious freedoms over the next four years? Yes. And more. We don't know what's ahead. Okay. Yes, in the last administration, there was religious freedoms and there was other things that took place that believers agreed with. I don't know what the future holds. I can't answer that. But yes, it will probably happen. Those things will probably happen. They happen in other nations of the world. Why would we think that America would be exempt? The devil influences people all over the world in different ways. We need to be prepared for it. And with every obstacle, every trial, he makes a way of escape so you can bear it. I was just thinking about COVID and the obstacles that we had to face and are facing yet today. And yet God has showed us different ways to do different things than we would have done. And we're doing it. And we're still advancing the kingdom of God. Our priority needs to be in him, not the obstacles. It needs to be in him because he will make a way for us. He will make a way for us. And just remember, the gospel has always prospered the most in difficult circumstances. So where is the church in the world today exploding with power and super dedication? China, Iran, name the nations, North Korea. That, that's real. It's not optional for them. It's real. And the reality of our faith comes to bear when we're pushed against with persecution. So persecution isn't a bad thing for Christians. It's actually an opportunity for us to put our roots deeper into the Lord. If Listen, if we're worried about being inconvenienced ourselves and we're worried about our own lifestyle being cut into, then our mind is not in the right place. We should be concerned about the kingdom and the purposes of Jesus Christ being furthered. And we talk a lot, right? You've, you've probably been part of these conversations where the church is too carnal. The church is too worldly minded in America. We too, have too much luxury, too much ease and all that. Hello? Maybe the Lord is going to send an answer to those prayers in these next years. We don't know. Maybe. But if he does, let's praise him and say, God, I need to go deeper. I need to let go of stuff. I need to release my grip on this world and on this life because that's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. We release everything to him in faith. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
So it's, I don't even think it's a matter of being concerned about erosion. It's a matter of being prepared for it. So are you prepared? Or are you just always responding to what's going on? Let's get prepared. It's a wake-up call. What's that song you sing? Getting ready or something like that? Getting ready? Yeah. Come on. Y'all want me to start singing? Nah. My, my wife told me don't do that. You've been praying for wisdom from above. Right? Yeah, yeah. You got the answer from Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. The Lord's moving in our midst right now. You guys see him moving? <laughs> okay, next question. Y'all ready? Last one. Is the vaccine a sign of, a, of the mark of the beast? Is the vaccine a sign of the mark of the beast? Go ahead, Barry. Your hand's raised. That's ridiculous. Why do I say that? Some people believe it. I've had those conversations. Why do I say it's ridiculous? Because the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation is not something you get by accident. It's when you're choosing deliberately against Christ, I don't want you, I'm embracing the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age, the spirit of the man of sin, the spirit of antichrist, I'm marked with that spirit, that's what it is. It's not, oh my goodness, I accidentally took the vaccine and now I'm lost. No. No. Also, too, so we get so caught up in, like, the mark of the beast stuff, and we, yes, let's have some understanding there, but I rarely ever hear us talking about the mark of the Lord. Okay, in, in Revelation, listen here, I'm telling you, we do this all the time. Okay, in Revelation 9, verse 4, it's talking about the fifth trumpet, and it says, those who, do, who don't have the seal of God are harmed. Okay, Revelation 14, 1. It says that the army, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Revelation 22, verse 4, talking about God's people. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Go read Exodus. It talks about the God marking his people. Okay, but we're so caught up on don't mark of the beast. Where is it? At? Ugh, it's coming. Somebody touches me, I get it. No, no. Are you marked with the Lord? Has the, more, has the Lord written his name on your forehead? Good. You're good. Let me, uh, let me give you an example of this. You know that each of us right now, we're marked by God right now. I have a friend in Africa who was demon-possessed. And when he got saved, he said to me, he said, we, the demonic, can identify who, which Christians are filled with the Spirit of God because they have a red mark on their forehead. Passing through town or in the marketplace, we bear a mark. And the devil knows it. And I hope and pray that we are aware of the mark that we carry. And take it seriously for him. So if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want him to mark you right now, I want you to stand. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you want him to mark you, to save you, you want to make him Lord and submit to him and repent of your sins, I want you to stand. We want to pray with you.
There's one. Let's pray. Let's pray for her. She stood up quickly. We're not here to embarrass you. We want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your daughter. She would give her life to you, that you love her. God, I just pray that you would mark her, that in her heart, that you would be the Lord of her life, that you would be the Savior of her soul, God, that you would deliver her from the hand of the devil, and you would transfer her into the kingdom of Jesus. God, mark your daughter this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got, you've got a mark on you that looks just like all the rest of us. And rest assured, every demon in hell sees that on you. Live for God. Okay, the second portion here. We're going to address what we believe the Lord is doing in the body. Bigger picture here, okay? So the question is, what does God want to realign, realign in his body? So the first question here, obviously, I mean, most of you know, uh, if you've been following the story, a lot of the prophets, even Jeremiah Johnson prophesied Trump would be in for a, uh, a second term. Well, come Wednesday, that didn't happen. He's repented. He's written, you know, two public letters repenting. Um, Lawrence Sanford, another prophet, he's repented as well for getting it wrong. Um, I, I honor both of them for doing that. And so this question here, how should we view prophecy and, and prophetic revelation now? What is the difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets? Barry's going to address this one. Okay. Go with me here for just a minute because I got... It's going to take just a second here. I believe that the body of Christ, the charismatic movement, has largely been out of divine alignment in the way that we have understood prophets and the way that we have understood and related to prophecy that comes from prophets. And we have been relating to more of an Old Testament model than a New Testament. And they are different. And I want to show you that they're different and what the different nuances might be. And it's important because here we go. Lots of people have been... Uh, feeling devastated. I mean, you can see the posts online. Uh, obviously, a lot of people have been confused, confusion just everywhere and, and felt devastated. These guys prophesied it, and how come it didn't come to pass? We've had a wrong understanding, I believe. I want to show you from Scripture that I believe we've had a wrong understanding uh, of what the ministry of the prophet is in the New Testament. It's different than the Old Testament prophet, and I want to show you that. Um, so we've got a couple of scriptures that I want to pull up. So the first one is Ephesians 4, which you're familiar with. Um, just be a little bit patient with me here. I won't, I won't be this long-winded, Lord willing. Um, but, but I feel like this is important. This is a major realignment that the Lord wants to do in the charismatic church. I believe that. And so let, let's, let's try to get this, and you guys can look at these verses later and study them yourselves. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Most of us are familiar with this passage but let me just um, make a point from this passage, and I've got a couple others that I want to look at. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Okay, the, all five of those ministries have a common goal. The goal of their ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service 
and to the building up of the body of Christ. If prophets are in alignment with the Lord, they are building up the body of Christ. If they're building up their ministry, they're not in alignment. If they're building the body, they're in alignment because that's what all of these ministries are for is to build the body. So there is legitimate. And so uh, let me just say, I totally believe in the ministry of the prophet. All of us do. We do We do as a body here. We believe in the ministry of the prophet. It's powerful. I've been powerfully impacted by that ministry myself. And, and I, I think Dave and Brandon could say the same thing, and a lot of you. It's real, and it's powerful. But if we put an emphasis on it and a role on what that means, that is not what Jesus intended, then we're going to get off track and get off the rails. And I feel like we've done that to some degree. So the main goal of a New Testament prophet is to build the body. So they should be speaking into what builds up the body. That can be directional in the sense of the Lord is saying this or emphasizing this. Yes, but there should be a building of the body. So my question in all of this prediction is where is predicting a presidential election part of building the body. Just a question, okay? Maybe there is some. I, I don't know what it is exactly. Predicting things um, that are outside of the scope that are not actionable in one sense, I, I just wonder how, how that builds the body. So just putting it out there, okay? We're, we're having the awkward family wrestle here. Are we okay with that? Okay, so that's number one. The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets, there are differences of roles. In the Old Testament, the prophet, priest, and king were the only ones in the nation that had the Holy Spirit. That's why when the prophets spoke, they were accurate all the time. And if they weren't, they were stoned. So Samuel, it says of Samuel that he spoke and not one of his words ever fell to the ground. Not, not one. Okay, that's different than a New Testament prophet. Why? The people in Israel did not have the Spirit of God. The prophet, the priest, and the king did. So they were the instruments that God used in a special way to direct a nation. So when a prophet in the Old Testament got up and spoke, they spoke the word of the Lord if they were a true prophet. There wasn't a percentage game that they were playing. They were accurate. They spoke the word of the Lord. They had the spirit of the Lord. In the New Testament, we have a different scenario. All the people of God have the spirit of God now in the New Testament. So we all have a sense. We all hear the shepherd's voice, right? My sheep hear my voice. So we're all supposed to hear the voice of the Lord. That doesn't mean there's not a place for the ministry of the prophet. But what it does mean is that that ministry is different now than it was in the Old Testament. I'm going to show you this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you can pull that one up, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at verses 29 to 33. There's a difference in the roles, and there's a difference in authority, and there's a difference in accuracy between Old and New Testament prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 29 to 33, and let's just look at this for a minute. This is the only, by the way, this is weighty because this is the only instruction in all of the New Testament that tells us how to deal with prophetic ministry in the church, the only one. There's some others that are ancillary, but this is the only one that actually gives us direction of how to navigate it. 
okay? So that it should be waiting for us. Verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. Can you see Jeremiah, Samuel, and Ezekiel standing up and giving a word and everybody going, okay, let, let's sit down. Was that really the Lord or not? You know what that says? That the others, and I believe um, that the others there doesn't just mean the other prophets. I believe it means the others in the body. And I, there's, there's two reasons why. One is technical with the Greek language, which I'll, I'll ignore right now. But the other one is because another passage that we're going to look at, 1 Thessalonians 5, says that the whole body is supposed to hear the prophecies. Okay? So, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who's seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may be... All may learn and all may be exhorted, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So, so let's look at this. When it says here in verse 29, let the others pass judgment, and I'm going to make the case that that's the body, not just the prophets, okay? And I'll, I'll show you why in just a minute. That means that the prophets' words are fallible. If the normal way to deal with prophets, this is not just those who are prophesying, this is prophets. If the normal way to deal with prophets is to take their word and to pass judgment, the, the Greek idea there is to sift. So you're sifting it, and you're trying to determine what's valuable and what isn't, like you're painting for gold. You're, you're looking for the nugget. What is God saying? If that's true, that's not an Old Testament prophet. New Testament prophets don't have the same level of authority as Old Testament prophets. God ordained it that way because there's a whole body and they all have the Holy Spirit. When Paul was going to Jerusalem, it's true that Agabus the prophet got up and bound himself with Paul's belt and said, the man that owns this belt, he's going to be bound and, and put into prison and suffer. But it also says that Paul said, everywhere I go, in every single community of believers, the Holy Spirit is constantly testifying to me that bonds and afflictions await me. Hello? The whole community was prophetic. They were all like, brother, I've just been praying for you, and I feel like the Lord's saying, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. And they were trying to talk him out of it. And Paul says, why are you weeping? They were getting the message. They were feeling what the Lord was saying, but their interpretation of it was wrong. It was fleshly. It was natural. Paul says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart like this? I'm ready not only to go to Jerusalem and be bound for the name of Jesus, but to die for him. This is the calling that I got. Paul, I'm going to show you what great things you must suffer for my namesake, and you're going to bear testimony before kings. He's like, dude, don't think that I'm going to die of old age. I'm going out in a blaze of fire. Take my head off. Boom, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Why do you want to keep me from that? What are you thinking? Really? I love that about Paul. Come on. This could preach. I'm still seated. He's still sitting down, y'all. Y'all better start sitting up, jumping and hollering, or he's going to start. All right. So, building level 
body. to remain
you're all so here's the thing Wisdom of
or up it'll be good on that. 